Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Verse 15, again, it says, The kingdoms of this world, notice, have become the kingdoms. And this is, The seventh angel sounded, and there was loud voices in heaven. These voices said, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Notice this. I am Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. In our study today, Pastor Rob continues his analysis of the actions affiliated with the sounding of the seventh trumpet. The praise and thanksgiving given by the elders in heaven isn't to thank God for pouring out his wrath, but that the hour has come for God's kingdom to be established on the earth and that these things are permanently set in motion. Now comes the fitting time for judgment, reward, and destruction. Let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. Who causes you to act a certain way. The very fact that you're a Christian colors this world. You have an impact. Whether you think you're a great witness or not, the fact that you are here, you are slowing this tide that is just wanting to, it's at the break walls. Can you feel it? It's like all this ungodliness. Is just, it's, like a, it's like the Hoover Dam. And once that Hoover Dam is taken down, once the church is removed, oh my, it's going to be the worst thing that anybody's ever seen. But they'll get what they want. A world without God. Let's govern ourselves. Has that worked out so far? I don't think it has. I don't know, maybe you live on an alternate reality. Maybe, there, maybe, it, maybe it does work out. But I, I don't think it does. It never has. Wrong king, wrong kingdom. <laughs> Notice that when Christ comes for the church in the passage that we just read, it's heralded by the trump of God, not one of the seven angels. This is an important distinction to make. And some have tried to place the rapture at this verse because it is the last trumpet recorded in the book of Revelation and because of what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. And let me read it to you. Beginning in verse 50, Paul said to them, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit corruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Notice this. We shall not all sleep, meaning we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. Here it is. In, the, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we which are alive, and we, and we shall be changed. Okay, this last trumpet is the trump of God. It's very different from the seven trumpets that we're looking at today, or the seventh trumpet. 
Okay. John Walvoord, the uh, he's a really wonderful brother, uh, pastor, teacher, writer, author. He says, the trumpet signaled the appearance of God, and we see that even in Exodus, back when they met on Mount Sinai, that there was a long blast of a trumpet. So this blast is for the church because this appearance of um, shall never end. It's never going to end. And he also goes on and says, the trumpets in Revelation pertain to judgments during the, during the tribulation, whereas the trumpet in 1 Corinthians 15.52 is related to the church. And I believe that. It makes sense to me. So we look at these seven trumpets. We're looking at the seventh one now. And what does it say? In Revelation 8, verse 1 and 2, Then he opened the seventh seal, and there was silence in heaven for about half an hour, and I saw the seven angels. Here they are, right? Seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Seven angels, seven trumpets. Makes sense, doesn't it? And when he opened... Sorry, and then in Revelation 8, verse 6, it says, So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And here it is, the seventh trumpet is sounding. Now there's a very difference, a big difference, between that trumpet that we read about in Corinthians and Thessalonians versus the trumpet that we're hearing now. And here is a chart that I thought was really helpful. If we look at this, we look at the trumpet that is in 1 Corinthians 15, and it's, it's specific uh, concerning the church. And the result of this trumpet is the catching up of the church with the Lord. And it's, uh, it's concerning God's grace, and the timing of it signals the close of the life of the church on earth. It is the last trumpet of the church age. And now when we look at these trumpets, this last trumpet in Revelation has a whole different character about it. When the trumpet's blown, the wicked world is being judged. The result of it is judgment of a godless world, and the character of it is the trumpet of God's judgment. It all speaks of judgment. These are not the same trumpet. The trumpet of Revelation 11.15 is not the same trumpet in 1 Corinthians 15 or in 1 Thessalonians. Different trumpet, different, whole different scenario. If you look at them both, very different outcomes, very different. And again, I leave you this verse. For God did not appoint us to wrath. He did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what? There's actually another trumpet that's not recorded for us in the book of Revelation. It's actually recorded for us in the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, in uh, the 24th chapter, where Jesus talks about this end-time scenario, he says this. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Now, remember, he's talking about the tribulation that is finished. Okay, We're not finished with the tribulation in Revelation, but at the end of it, Jesus tells his disciples, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, then the sign of the Son of Man shall appear in heaven, and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Does that sound like the second coming of Christ? It does. It is. His physical coming to the earth, not the rapture. The rapture occurs at any moment. This is something, and we will be with him. But when the second coming comes, that's him coming back to the earth for a thousand years in his millennial reign. He touches down on the Mount of Olives. You can read Zechariah 14, talks all about that wonderful passage. But notice in verse 31, and he will send his angels. Notice, here's another third trumpet after 
Jesus Christ returns. There's another trumpet. Look at this. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And what is the purpose of this trumpet? To get attention? To gather the troops, so to speak. And what is it? And he will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. The Jews, during that tribulation period, will all be gathered together. The faithful remnant. He will gather them together. And it's a trumpet. So we got three different trumpets. They all have three different purposes. We have to see them as that. And why is that a big deal anyway? Well, if you believe in a mid-tribulation, uh, mid, uh, mid-tribulation rapture, then there's no eminence, is there? The Bible speaks that it could happen any time in the twinkling of an eye. But if you believe in a mid-tribulation rapture, you know that there has to be three and a half, or, or three and a half years of the temple being built and this whole, all this stuff and the Antichrist come into power. He's actually in power in the beginning, but he shows himself. He's actually indwelt by Satan himself in the midpoint of this tribulation after some kind of assassination attempt on his life. The very devil himself will inhabit this man. And if you believe that the church is raptured at that point, you know exactly what's happening beforehand. And the Bible says that it doesn't make sense. You have to allegorize, you have to spiritualize so many passages of Scripture to come to this conclusion. It's preposterous. So there is no midpoint tribulation or midpoint rapture. It is pre-trib. We could spend a whole two or three Sundays on that alone, but we don't have time for that. But I will say this. There are three different trumpets. This trumpet has nothing to do with the tribulation and if, if you also believe in mid-tribulation rapture, that means that you've got to go through the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments, most of them. And then we look at the verse where it says, For God has not appointed us to wrath, because he already took the wrath upon himself on the cross. That either happened or it didn't. Do I need to be purged before, I, before God can receive me? Or am I already perfected in Christ, as it says in Colossians? Are you perfected in Christ right now? You are. You may not feel like it, but there's nothing more that you can do. It's just God's sanctification now. You're just growing in grace every single day. You're growing to know him. But believe me, it doesn't matter where you're at right now. If you're a believer in Christ, when the rapture sounds, when the trump of God sounds, you will be taken. Regardless of whether you spent time in the word yesterday or the day before, guess what? If you're a Christian, you're going up. But the question is, are you a Christian? The Spirit of God himself bears witness within your own heart whether you're a child of God or not. If there's some fear and intrepidation in you about, I'm not sure if I'm saved, then you better come up afterwards. And you don't have to come up here. You can pray with somebody next to you. Receive Christ. Be a part of the church. The church is the only one that's going to be raptured out of this world. And is that like some kind of um, you know, vice? I'll admit to it, yeah. And it's easy because it's true. Do I want to be around here for the tribulation period? Even half of it. Do you want to be around here? Read the, the seal judgments. Read the, read the trumpet judgments. Do you want to be around for those things where 58% at least of the world population is going to be snuffed out? Do you want to be here for that? I don't think so. I don't want to be here for it. I'll be honest with you. I like apple pie. I like ice cream. <laughs> I like the good things. I don't want to go through those bad things. Anybody who says, oh, if I'm a real Christian, I'll be like a good soldier of Christ, and we'll just go through it together, brother. No, well, you can go through it. I'll whisper from up above, hey, was it worth it? No, man, I want to come up. 
No, there, there won't be any arguing. So, verse 15, again, it says, The kingdoms of this world, notice, have become the kingdoms. And this is, The seventh angel sounded, and there was loud voices in heaven. These voices said, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Notice this. Now, it is true that, it says in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's. He made it by right of creation. He made it. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. And guess what? The world and all those who dwell therein, it all belongs to him. It all belongs to him by right of creation. There is no doubt about that. But currently we see this earth under the dominion of Satan. Has anybody noticed difficulties in the earth? Has anybody watched the news lately? I wouldn't encourage you either way. Just turn off your news altogether. Just go outside, get a, a pruning shears, and go out to that cable that runs into your house and just go snip and be free. Be free. And then run with your hair running, you know, the, the, you know just like in slow motion even. You know, you're running through the meadow on the beach and the, the wind and the, you know, the, you know. Be free from it. Just cut the thing. For heaven's sake, just cut it. But currently, this earth is under the dominion of Satan. And after Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God, remember, drove him into the wilderness. And remember what, the, what Satan spoke to Jesus when he was tempting him in the wilderness. Notice this in Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him, Jesus, up onto an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these, notice who's speaking, Satan is speaking to Jesus, all these, all these kingdoms of the world I will give you. I will give you all if you just fall down and worship me just this once. Just kiss the ring once. Just quick kiss it. Just kiss the ring. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Satan is the God of this age. I don't know if you've noticed. God is allowing him. He is like a, a rabid pit bull on a leash. He does not have autonomy. He is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He is not omnipotent. He is on a leash. But he is the God of this age. In 2 Corinthians, what does it say? Paul speaking, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan also is the ruler of this world. What does it say in John chapter 12? Now, Jesus speaking, he said this, Now is the judgment of this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, and he was on the cross, remember, he says, I will draw all peoples to myself, peoples, tongues, tribes, nations. Jesus spoke that. So what kingdom are you living for? What kingdom are you living for? Even though mankind has, has strove for centuries, for thousands of years, to have a great rule, a great kingdom, a great government. You know, like us, even in our country, we want the, the, the best of everything. But regardless of what we do, and regardless of who we put into office, it will be pale in comparison to when Jesus returns. Because right now, every kingdom of the earth has the wrong king and the wrong kingdom. There's one king coming and he's going to rule over one kingdom one kingdom 
All of the world empires came to nothing because of sin and corruption, but his is an everlasting kingdom. Egypt was plundered by the Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, and Nebuchadnezzar's reign came to an abrupt pause when he boasted in his palace that he had made this great kingdom and didn't give glory to God, and God just took away his mental capacity, drove him insane, this man who didn't give glory to God. This is my place. Look at how beautiful it is. Look what I've done. Look at the buildings. And God says, okay, you're, you're done for a season. God in his grace caused this man to go to lose his mind. And you can read about it in Daniel chapter 4. We don't have time to go there. And then his grandson, Belshazzar, in Daniel chapter 5, what does it say? His kingdom, the, the kingdom of Babylon, was taken over by the Medes and the Persians while they had a drunken orgy with his cabinet. There And they brought out all the vessels from the temple that Nebuchadnezzar had plundered from the temple in 586 B.C. And then finally he was taken over, or uh, the Medes and the Persians were taken over by Alexander the Great, who conquered the Medes and the Persians, only to die on June 10th or 11th in 323 A.D. at the age of 32, uh, B.C., excuse me, in Babylon. He died in Babylon from malaria, decrying the fact that there were no other kingdoms that he could conquer. 32 years old, he dies in Babylon, being this great conqueror. But it says in the the last part of verse 15, but Jesus' kingdom shall reign forever. It's an everlasting kingdom. Here's one that we're going to see in a couple months, a verse that you all know. Isaiah 9, verse 6. I've got them here, but let me read them to you. For unto us a child is born. Now, pay very careful attention to this. For those of you who may have never heard this before, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful. Notice, this child, this son, will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. This baby, this son, is going to be called Almighty God. He's going to be called the Everlasting Father. Are you kidding me? Yes. Prince of Peace. What does it say? Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. This is an everlasting kingdom, not a kingdom that's for here a short period of time. All the kingdoms are, are, are going to go like a vapor. In, da- in Daniel's, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the statue... Nebuchadnezzar had the image of this rock made without hands coming to destroy. Each one of these layers of this image were the different kingdoms. Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, Alexander the Great uh, from Greece, and then the Roman Empire, then the revived Roman Empire, and God is going to come. He is the rock, is he not? He's going to come and he's going to smash the feet of that thing, and all the foundations, all the kingdoms of the world up in smoke. They will be destroyed. And what does Daniel say in Daniel 4, verses 2? He said, I thought it good to declare, and this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. Nebuchadnezzar said this, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked in me. How great are his signs. And this is after uh, Nebuchadnezzar had this episode where he lost his mind. He came to his senses, and he became a believer in Christ. Isn't that amazing? This awful man is, talk talk about a 12th hour conversion. (laughs) Remember the man on the cross? Nebuchadnezzar was one of those men. 
He says, I, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is what? An everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. In Daniel 4.34 it says, and at the end, and again, Nebuchadnezzar speaking, and at the end of time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. Wasn't he pounding his chest just a few years prior to this, saying, I'm the king of the jungle, look what I've made. Now he comes to his senses, like any good person should. We should all come to our senses. He came to his senses and he says, you know what? His dominion is an, is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. Darius, even in Daniel chapter 6, verse 25, Darius, who succeeded the Babylonian Empire, from, he was the king of the Medes and the Persians. What did he say? He wrote a letter after Daniel uh, was taken out of the lion's den. And what was his letter? He says, to all peoples, the king Darius wrote this. He says, to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell on all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Notice this. I love this. I make a decree in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. Notice his kingdom is the one which shall never be destroyed. It shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. I would say that's pretty good. What do you think? One more. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary, this young girl, probably a teen, young teenager, he visits her, remember, on that fateful morning. And he speaks concerning Jesus. And, he, and she, he said to her, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. There are others too. You know, those are just a, a few. So his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And that's why... You know, when we look at the end of uh, the verse there in 15, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's the truth. He will reign forever and ever. Now, when we look at the next uh, four, uh, next three verses, we're going to see God's plan within the, the seventh trumpet in an abbreviated form. It says in verse 16, And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones, they fell on their faces. They worshiped God. They were so enamored by this this by who God is and the judgments that are coming, his sovereignty. They were so blown away by his purity, who he was. And now when this last seventh trumpet begins to sound, they fall on their faces. It's the first time that, uh, arguably, that we see them falling on their faces. This is a big deal. This is a monumental, pivotal section in the book of Revelation, in the end time scenario. And notice what they said. We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and is to come, because you have taken or you've seized back your great power and reign. God never had, had to uh, seize his power back, but right now we know that the, uh, the God of this age, who is Satan, has dominion over the earth. And it's on loan. It's not going to be there forever. God is going to take back what belongs to him. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth shows forth his handiwork. It belongs to him. He's going to take it back, and you're coming back with him. Aren't you glad? I'm so looking forward to that day. But notice what he says. All power, all power belongs to God. All power. In Romans 13, let's read it. Let every, subject be, uh, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, 
For there is no authority except from God. Notice that. This is, this is very pertinent for us today. This very day, this scripture ought to be blasted from every place that can hear it. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. For, and the authorities that exist are appointed or ordained by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Sounds like a good word we need to hear today in, in Portland, Oregon, in Minnesota, downtown Rochester. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.